0: Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. God bless you all. It's just been a joy to be here. I'll just tell you right up front, I'm I'm feeling pretty fervent in spirit this evening. It's been quite a week. It's been a blessing. As we've sat under the teachings of the moving of the Holy Spirit with Brother Lowell, and that was just a tender moment this morning as we cast those papers into the fire. And and as we went through the book study and how to study and encouragement to study with Brother Galen, and the disciplines of the Christian life with Brother Paul, and and the time that we spent singing with Brother Anthony and Brother Joe and the ones who led, and the hands-on time we had of stretching and witnessing over in Seattle, and then there was times when we were just praying together and praying alone. And then the sacrifice and the effort and the example of all the staff and the cooks. And then the faithfulness of our God to meet with us, to make Himself so real and be so near. It's just been a a rich time to be together this week with the Lord. So now as we come to the benediction of this week, I look, I think about different benedictions in the Bible you know, it was never a light-hearted farewell, just a "see you later." You know, smooth sailing from here. Benedictions in the Scripture are always exhortation and warning and prayer, and then an encouragement to be faithful. You know, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And why is that? And it's because we know that we are in a battle. We know that we are returning to the battle and we know that the enemy is strong, don't we? And and our flesh is weak. And the temptations are many. I would like to read to you one benediction in the scriptures. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read a couple of verses of Paul's benediction to the Ephesian elders. The last time that he would see them. Part of what he said is take heed. Therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Doesn't sound like a see-you-later smooth sailing from here. It's a benediction of prayer. Also, Of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Think of it. The burden on Paul's heart. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Watch. Remember. And warn. We've encouraged you this week. You to press in diligently into the kingdom of God. We've given warning of eternal punishment and the fiery indignation of God's judgment. And and we've encouraged you to bear much fruit in His kingdom. Tonight, we want to give you an additional warning. We want to warn you of the dangers of a divided heart. We want to consider what it is Where it can lead you and what the consequences are of a divided heart. But we also want to consider the power of a renewed heart. A changed heart. Sanctified and filled by the Holy Spirit of God. A divided heart is simply one where God does not have all of it. Something is held back. That is what a divided heart is. A divided heart is no heart for a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know that. As we go back to the battle, God wants all of our heart. He gave His all for us. He kept nothing back and He expects the same from us. And it's so reasonable. He is so worthy. But if you think of it, Anything we hold back in any area makes our heart a divided heart. I want you to know tonight that a divided heart is a very big thing with God. And when something is a big thing with God, it needs to be a big thing with us. And so let's open our Bibles here this evening to a few verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read here. Just a few questions that Paul asks the Corinthian church in verse 14b. I'm going to start reading here. It says, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth With an infidel. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Those are five questions there that Paul asks. And and we know tonight, I think these questions are what we call rhetorical questions. We know the answer. Righteousness has zero fellowship with unrighteousness. Light has no communion. With darkness. They cannot be together. And Christ and Belial, they're at war with each other. Are they not? And he that believeth with an infidel, the temple of God with idols, the temple of God, the holiest of holies with idols, no fellowship. Let's keep reading here. For ye are the temple of the living God. That's us. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Don't have a divided heart, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters. Beautiful picture. Saith the Lord Almighty. I want us to know tonight, a divided heart is completely unacceptable with a holy God. With a jealous God. God is jealous. I don't know how many times He said in the Old Testament, for I am a jealous God. I think there's even one passage of Scripture that says, God whose name is jealous. He is extremely jealous. And with God, it's a good thing. But a divided heart is completely unacceptable with a holy God. And so I ask us tonight, Do I have one? Is there something in my heart that is drawn to the things that are in conflict with the commandments of God and with the holiness of God. It's a very sobering thing to me to consider where a divided heart will lead us and what the end result, the consequences are of a divided heart. It is very easy for men to justify a divided heart. Men are very quick to justify a divided heart And the reason is, is because there can be so much good there. That's what a divided heart is. It's not all bad. A born-again testimony can have a divided heart. Sobering reality. But we've seen it. And that division, that part that divides that heart can draw that soul away. There is safety in having a pure heart, a pure offering unto God. I want us to consider a few phrases uh, from the Bible and a few other phrases that describe a divided heart. The Bible talks about a polluted offering. Now I want you to think about a polluted offering for a minute and I want you to realize that the offering is there. And it can be a big part of purity in that offering. But it's polluted. And it is a totally unacceptable thing with God. Where God spoke of a polluted offering, He told Malachi, I believe He said, that neither will I accept an offering at your hand." God will not accept pollution in an offering. And when you think about pollution, many times that's when the biggest part Of the offering is good. But there's some pollution in it. It's kind of like rat poisoning. It's mostly corn and beef. But there's a little bit of poisoning in there. It's a pollution. And so it's a very sobering reality. Another phrase. uh, A mingled sacrifice. You know God loves the sacrifice. And in a mingled sacrifice. The sacrifice is there. There is a reverence for God. But it is mixed in with other things, and it's totally unacceptable. I think God said in Mount God, go offer it to your governor and see if he'll accept it. He won't, and God will not either. Another phrase that uh, describes a divided heart is divided affection. Yeah, and, and this is when there is an affection for God. It is there. But the things of this world also draws. It's kind of like we talked about Demas this week. You know, Demas, it says, Have forsaken me, Paul said, Having loved this present world. I'm not sure that Demas would say he didn't love God anymore. But he had other things mingled in. And it is an unacceptable offering unto God. Another scripture uses the term lukewarm. You know, anything about lukewarm, lukewarm has some hot water in it. It's there. But it's mixed in with the cold water. And, and it makes lukewarm. And what does God say He's going to do with that kind of an offering? I will spew thee out of my mouth. He'll just spit that thing out of His mouth. Isn't that a sobering reality? We're talking about our heart this evening. Do we have a lukewarm heart? I know there's good there, but are there other things mixed in? This is no way to go back home to battle. So this message is for the people of God this evening. If you want to look over here at the right, I just drew some hearts over here to just make some illustrations. The first heart over there on the far, uh, your left hand side is just a black heart. It's not really polluted, it's just a vile black heart. But the next heart is sometimes what we think of as a divided heart. It's just kind of divided down the middle and God gets, He gets some. There is some reverence of God there, but the rest of it is for me. But that's not always that simple. Sometimes a divided heart is this third one from the left. When God really does get some honor and some worship. There is a love for God. Maybe you love to worship. This could be a good church member. You know, not necessarily real separate from the world. A little like Demas here maybe. Maybe he loves his rock music or his country music. Somewhat of an independent spirit. But, you know, that, that darkened spot there. That is for me. Do we have that kind of heart? Look at this heart here. I want to think about this heart for just a moment. This heart here has a very clear testimony. This heart loves the Lord. He really does. He reads His Word. He prays. He's a blessing to others. And by all appearance, by reputation, this person has a clear heaven. But this person has some area in their heart that they will not yield to God. It's like a locked room. God has access to everywhere in this house. But this one room or this one closet, there is something that is not right. And it can be just a root of bitterness. You can love the Word. You can read the Word. But in your heart, there is bitterness and unforgiveness. And you won't let go of that thing. That little dark, darkened in spot can be a secret sin. A lust for something that you have not brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you love that thing. And it's part of your joy. You love the Lord, but you cannot release that thing. I want you to know that is a divided heart tonight. That is a polluted offering. And God will not accept anything that is not pure. I want you to look at this little heart over here on the right. This heart is clear. This heart is free. This heart has surrendered everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. This heart is filled with the Holy Spirit of God... This heart is very sensitive to any moving of the Holy Spirit of God. I believe this heart worships the Lord in spirit and in truth. Everything this heart has is this way before God. This is a beautiful heart. God has liberty. What a blessed place to be. You can check back with this heart right here in 20 years, and it's just going to be right there. Just like you remember it. This heart stays clear before the God of heaven. And I just want to challenge us. And I, I don't want to send anyone on a guilt trip, but I just want to ask you, are we all here tonight? Is this where we are? Or do we have a little of this in some area? If this is where we are, over here on the right, I encourage you to stay there. But I want to tell you what the difference is between this heart and this heart. They're pretty close. Now just because this heart is clean and clear before God doesn't mean that it's not going to be tempted. Doesn't mean that it's never going to sin. Never going to make a mistake. I mean because of situations and circumstances something comes along. Maybe in a weak moment this dear soul here commits a sin. Maybe the sin that this soul commits is exactly the same as this heart over here. Likes to do. So then, what is the difference between these two hearts? I'm telling you, there's a big difference. Because this old heart over here has conviction. This heart over here is sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes into his heart, I mean, he weeps over his sin. He repents before a holy God. He cries out for forgiveness. He clears. But this heart over here loves this sin. This heart over here protects this sin, tries to hide it. And because of that, it brings some hypocrisy into its heart because this heart tries to make it look like this thing isn't here. Big difference between these two hearts. that heart that covers its sin is a divided heart it is a polluted offering it is a mingled sacrifice and God will not accept that kind of an offering I want to challenge you this evening which of these hearts would you say was Ananias and Sapphira let's just think about them for a minute You know, this heart is not Ananias and Sapphira. But really this heart over here is not Ananias and Sapphira either. They brought an offering. It was good. I don't know if they were here or here or here. But somewhere right here is where Ananias and Sapphira were. And the Holy Spirit of God slew them. They could very well have been right here. Think of it. This was the power of the early church when God was bearing witness of His church here upon the earth. And I want to challenge you tonight. If there is anyone in the church of God in this category today, if they would just fall over dead, that would really get our attention. It would. I want us to fear God tonight. I want us to be afraid of that kind of thing. I want us to understand that God does not accept a divided heart in any proportion. God says, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know, man spits when he has something bitter in his mouth. If I have a piece of chicken and rice in my mouth, but uh, with it is a little bit of poison... I spit out the whole thing. Don't you? Yes, we do. I don't try to separate it. I spit out the whole thing. It says in Malachi, God says in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. That's a sobering reality of how God demands holiness in His presence. I want to turn to Acts chapter 5. Let's take a look here at the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5. We're just going a few verses here. We're not going to read the whole story. But it says here that a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it. Privy means they're covering this thing up. They they don't want it to look like that thing's even there. His wife being privy to it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart? We're thinking about a heart this evening. Look at this. Why hath Satan filled thine heart? That sounds to me like this thing over here. Filled. Thine heart, how did that happen? I want you to know tonight, that didn't, that's not how it started. Let's keep reading and find out how this thing started. Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Look at this. Why hast thou conceived? This thing in thine heart. This is how it started. It was conceived. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take a heart like this, he wants to conceive this little thing and just let that thing grow until why hath Satan filled thine heart? It's a dangerous road, it's a sobering reality, the consequence of where a divided heart can lead you. Conception is such a small thing. That's the way the devil operates. I've heard if you give him an inch, you'll make her, he'll, he'll make himself a rumor. When a woman conceives a child, that thing is so small, nobody even knows. It doesn't show in her body at conception. She's not even sick yet. But something has happened. Something is beginning to grow. And in the first stages, it kind of makes you sick. But after that, it just grows and it comes to a place where it brings forth. Isn't that what James chapter 1 teaches us? That lust, when it hath conceived, bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It's a very sobering reality. I want to show you another example in the Scripture of how this starts out a little and grows. I would like for you all to turn to John chapter 13. This is such an interesting passage of Scripture to me. In John chapter 13, I want to look at verse 2. This is where Judas betrayed the Lord. It says, And supper being ended. John 13, 2. The devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Here it is. Just a little thing. The devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, just put that little thing in there. And at that point, we know what the Scripture says, that Judas sought for a time how he might conveniently betray him. And I tell you, if that's what we're looking for, the devil will make sure that it's it's provided And now I want you to just jump over in that same chapter and look at verse twenty-seven. That little thing that the devil put in his heart. And verse twenty-seven, and after the sock, Satan entered into him. He likes to get his foot in the door. Doesn't look too harmful at that stage. But he's only got one thing in mind right here. And it's to get you all the way over here. Isn't that the tactics he tried on the Lord Jesus? Just command these stones to be made bread. Just a little thing. I mean, how could that be wrong? I have tried to figure out what would be wrong with Jesus Christ turning the stones into bread. He turned the water into wine, brought water out of the rock. I mean, it's kind of consistent with the way he operates. Why is that wrong? But I tell you tonight, command these stones to be made bread. That devil only had one thing in mind. And it's fall down and worship me. It was just a progressive thing. He just starts little. And he just wants to send you this way. It's a sobering reality tonight. The consequences of a divided heart. Matthew chapter 12 verse 25. You don't need to turn there. says every kingdom divided. Against itself is brought to desolation. You know It doesn't say sometimes. It doesn't work out. It says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every house or city divided against itself shall be brought to desolation. Shall not stand. I want us to fear God tonight. In the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it says in verse 5, it says, Great fear fell upon all them that heard these things when Ananias died. But when his wife came in and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband, in verse 11, it says, Great fear fell upon the church when they saw these things. And I tell you tonight, if the judgment of God. only the lost and the people around us not only the people in Seattle us we need to have a pure heart tonight it's the calling of God I believe Proverbs says because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil And that's because there's no fear. We want great fear tonight. The fear of God. I share these things with a burden. Because the devil starts little. But it's interesting to me, the Niagara River. That's a big river. You've all heard of the Niagara Falls. But it's interesting to me where the point of no return is. Above those falls. You know, they have this little sign. The point of no return. That point, that sign is not a mile above the falls. It's three miles. Because the devil has his way. And it was interesting to me to read why the sign is three miles above the falls. That is because at that place, there's a deep place in the river. The water moves slow. You know, uh, slow water runs deep. It's just a beautiful place. There's lots of boats out there. And right after that deep place... There's a, there's a shallow shale that rises up. And because of that, the current just picks up right there. And that shallow shale, it knocks out the motors on the boats. It makes it so there's no, no way to get out of the river. The current picks up. That's exactly how the devil operates. If he can get this thing in here, I tell you, he'll just bring you to some shallow shale. And you can't believe where that thing will take you. The point of no return Seems to be at a ridiculous place too far up the river. But I want to caution us tonight. God wants a pure heart. He wants a pure offering. I want to give you some practical areas this evening. Where I believe the devil and the flesh and this world are continually trying. To work their way into the heart of a believer to find their place of compromise, this little seed planted, this little conception in their heart that the devil is just working to find ways to do that. First place thing I want to mention is covetousness and riches. You know, we get pretty accustomed to this one, don't we? because we live in America. But I'm not going to look at America tonight. I'm going to look at the Word of God. And what does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say for the followers of Jesus? 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to read that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which grow look which drown man that's a big thing in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith think of it Because of covetousness, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, oh man of God, didn't we sing that song tonight? Give us faithful men. That's who we're speaking to tonight. But thou, oh man of God, flee these things. What does flee mean? It doesn't mean just kind of be careful and go ahead and and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. It sounds like the opposite direction. Flee a thing and come this way. That's the message of the Word of God. That's this little seed that the devil wants to put in his heart and he's only got one thing in mind. To drown men in destruction and perdition that faithful men would err from the faith. The Bible tells us to flee from idolatry. We say amen. It tells us to flee fornication. And we, we, we say amen. It says to flee youthful lusts. Youth. And we say amen. But it says the same thing about money. And the love of money. And we sit back and we say, well... And we start to qualify that thing. Let's be careful. I think we can qualify it. I understand all of that, but let's not ignore the Scriptures. That's dangerous business. There was a time when Jesus said something to His disciples, and when He was done telling them, it says that they were astonished at what He said. And so Jesus began to explain it, And he explained it to them. And after he explained it, it says they were astonished out of measure. So it says, you know what he told them? He said, it is easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Think of it. And you know the response, well then, who can be saved? But with God, all things are possible. Flee these things! And seek after righteousness and godliness. That's the answer. And I I know that we try to figure that thing out. I heard a man say one time, well, camel doesn't really mean camel there. It means rope. And I thought about that, and that doesn't really help me. I can't even thread a needle, let alone rope one You can't do it. Another area that I would like to just mention where the devil tries to get his inroads into our heart is music. People love their music. People change churches to keep their music, but there's a spirit that goes with music. I want to challenge you to tell you something this evening. I believe that music is fellowship. When you listen to music, there's a spirit there. And your spirit begins to have fellowship with the ones who are singing. And with the ones that wrote the song. It's just kind of a subconscious thing. But you you develop fellowship with the ones who sing that song and who wrote the song. And when we sing the songs of the martyrs, you know, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought? to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? I tell you, you're having fellowship with the spirit of those martyrs. But when we sing many of the contemporary songs today, I tell you, many of those people, they're wrapped up in the show business, you know, in body movements as they sing. And some of them are divorced, and they're into the copyrights. That thing is theirs. I tell you, those martyrs, they didn't have any copyrights. Those songs were written in blood with God. And when we sing those songs, it creates a fellowship with them. Many of the contemporary artists and I think there's many of them that are beautiful people so some of those songs are okay, but I think we need to be careful. There's a lot of immodesty in that circle. I think we need to be careful who we have fellowship and who we let into our homes to sing to our children. Had a dear brother a while back and and, and he had a son that was a, a child of God. He was born again. He was doing well. And I didn't keep close with him, but it wasn't too long later that son walked away, he said he was done with God. He was through with religion, and I couldn't believe it. I, I was so amazed. I actually went to this brother, this grieving father, and I just says, "Dear brother, I just my heart's with you. What happened?" You know always said. He said, I think I was too free with the music that I let my son listen to. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was a bad influence. But I thought it was okay. He said, I think his music got it. Another area I would like to consider where I think the enemy tries to get his foot in the door is websites, social media, books, entertainment. And I don't understand all those things. And I don't know where you all, you folks are with all of those things. And I'm not sure exactly where to draw the line on all of that. But I just want to challenge us this evening. There's a lot of danger on that computer screen. There's a lot of danger in free access. Is that God's gift to his children in the latter day? Or is that a tool of the devil to draw us away? I think we should be very, very careful. Many times, people develop an appetite for those things. And when they have an appetite, they just can't shut it off. Be careful. Be careful. Because when that happens, the devil only has one thing in mind and we've seen it happen. Immorality is as easy as the push of a button. God help us. God guard our spirit. May we be among those who are kept by the power of God. I want to mention another area reputation, and pride. Whoa, the devil likes to get his foot in the door. He just likes to tell us how great we are, maybe, in something like that. I want to use Saul, King Saul, as an example. And I just want to read you a little passage of Scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 10. You don't have to read there, but Saul was a chosen man of God. He was. And the Spirit of the Lord, Samuel told Saul, the Spirit of God will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy, and shall be turned into another man. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I mean, that's almost an Old Testament scene of being born again. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and you're going to be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are come upon thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel... God gave Saul another heart. Beautiful picture. Here's Saul. Right here. But you know as time went on. And as God began to use David. And David came into the scene. The devil put into the heart of Saul. Whoa. You get rid of that guy. He's going to take away your reputation. And I want to tell you. know the story. I mean that thing grew in Saul's life. Didn't it? I mean he hunted down David. He he slew all the priests of God. And and how did he end up? He ended up with the witch of Endor. That's where he died. Sad story of a chosen man. And it was nothing but the devil getting his foot in the door for his reputation. That's what drove Saul. He wanted to get rid of David. David, God help us. Two more areas I want to mention. One is bitterness. Oh, the devil loves to bring bitterness into a heart. You know, when that thing springs up, many can be defiled. That thing doesn't just stay in one heart. It spreads to other hearts. The devil loves that. But that thing of forgiveness, and it comes out of love. Forgiveness comes out of love. And remember the, the message we had on eternal judgment. Remember when you think of the fiery indignation of God. You know, when you, when you think of those things, all of a sudden we can forgive. We can love. We can build a relationship. We can flow. We can be under authority. We can be a blessing. We can pray for others. We can intercede. I want to encourage you that way. Fight the devil that way. The other thing I wanted to mention is is your appearance. Some people think this is legalistic, but I plead with you. I want to I wanna make an earnest plea tonight. Fads, fashions, a cool spirit, casual spirit, modesty. You know that casual thing. You know what casual means? It just means relaxed. It means your guards are down. And you know when your gardens just keep coming down? And it shows up when you're dressed? And you're just casual? And everything is just cool spirit? You know what casual does as it grows? Casual just grows and grows until all of a sudden it's a casual tea. And the devil's got you right where he wants you. We need to rise up. I want to think for just a little bit here Concerning our appearance and all of these influences of the world, that our body is the temple of God. That is a sobering reality. I want to just read a couple passages of scripture here. (coughs) You don't need to turn to these. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, is what I'm going to read. What? Know ye not that your body, your physical body, we're talking here, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost which is in you, it's in your body which ye have of God and you are not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God. Think of it. I want to just spend a little bit of time here. I want to challenge us. I've thought about this. I'd like to say something about the temple of God. The temple of God is holy. We agree. And sometimes we forget that. You study the temple of God in the Old Testament and you will find that God simply wanted to dwell with man. That is where God dwelt, in the temple. That is God's dwelling place, and it is His holy temple. It's where the ark of God was kept. It's where the mercy seat was. It's where the veil of the temple was. It's where the holiest of holies was, with the cherubims and seraphims. And that's where God revealed His glory, the Shekinah glory that filled the temple. And God is extremely jealous over His temple. He's extremely jealous. Over His glory. God said, my glory will I not give to another. He is jealous over His holiness. He's jealous over His dwelling place. And He's jealous over your heart. (coughs) Because that is His dwelling place. Think about this for a minute. The temple of God is the only thing I know of in the life of Jesus when He was here on the earth that drove Him to be violent. Jesus, the gentle, tender Lamb of God, violent, a bruised reed He wouldn't break, smoking flax He wouldn't quench, but I tell you, He got a whip and He turned over the tables of the money changers and He drove them out. He made a whip and He used it. read about it. And that's what the Bible says of the Lord Jesus Christ. His attitude toward the temple of God. What did He say? He said, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. He couldn't take it because the temple of God revealing clothes the temple of God in a low neckline seductive Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Notice this. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. That's New Testament doctrine. Did you get that? If you defile the temple of God in dress or in action will destroy you. He's patient. He works with people. He's kind. But he's faithful and he will do what he says. It's what the devil likes to put in the heart of many youth. And he only has one thing in mind. And we see it happen. Let's be aware. Let's have our guards up. The temple of God is holy. Brothers and sisters, youth, that's why a divided heart is such a big thing with God. Because your heart is part of your body. And your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And God is jealous over His dwelling place. You know, God said a very sobering thing to the church at Laodicea in Revelation. You know what He said? He said, I can't this or this or this. He said I'm going to spew thee out of my mouth. He said an amazing thing about these three hearts. He said I wish you were here. I wish you were hot or cold. And not that he was blessing this, but at least we see our need. He wants us over here. That's the burden that God had to the church of Laodicea. And that brings us to our burden that we have on our heart this evening. I want to be changed. I want to be a new man. I want to be changed in the very character of who I am. I want to be partakers of His divine nature. I don't want to hang on to the the characteristics that identify me. I want to put them in the fire like we did this morning. None of this, well that's just how I am stuff. I want to be changed. Like the message that Brother Lowell brought this morning. Such a difference between the old man and the new man. God give us grace to be molded into the image of His dear Son. I don't want to only come to God for salvation. I want to come to be changed. That's the message of the Scripture. Yes, we must come. Whosoever will let him come. But come to be changed. I want to be delivered from who I am. We read in the Word in a very clear way that we can't just come to God for salvation. We come to be changed. You can't separate the two. You know why? There is too much power in the blood. There is too much power in the resurrection. It's too big a thing to be filled With the Holy Spirit of God. To be filled with all the fullness of God in us. Filled. To be a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's too big a thing for us to stay the same. We will be changed. Changed from all of that stuff to this. That's God's heart. That's God's provision. That will take place in each of our lives. I think about all those people in Seattle. You know, we looked at them yesterday. I saw a lot of people. And sometimes you think, well, maybe they need to get their doctrine straight first. makes me think of the song that says, Shall I come just as I am? You know, if you're over here, can I come that way? Or do I need to clean up first? Do I need to get my doctrine straight first? You know, and we talked to many people yesterday that way. But I want to tell you this evening... Yes, God invites us to come just as we are. I tell you, you come in your long hair. You come with your marriage in a mess. You come on drugs. You come with your finances in a basket case. You come in bitterness. You come as an undisciplined husband. You come as an unsubmissive wife. But there's two questions that we need to consider this evening. Shall I come just as I am? Yes! But shall you stay just as you are? There is a resounding no that echoes all through scriptures and it comes from the woman taken in adultery, does it not? I mean, here she is over here, taken in the very act. But you come just like you are. But go and sin no more. It's a beautiful picture of salvation. What about Mary Magdalene that we spoke about the other evening? Should she come just like she is? Yes, dear Mary, you come. Seven devils. With your hair in a mess. With your life a mess. You come, Mary. But you sit at the feet of Jesus. You break your alabaster box and you anoint Him for His burial. You be the first one that Jesus appears to when He rises from the dead. I think about the maniac of Gadara. Dear man, should he come just like he is? Living naked in the cemetery, biting his chains. Yes, dear man, you come just like that. But you go home, clothed and sitting in your right mind, and tell your home and those around you what great things, God has done for you. I think about the Philippian jailer. Should he come? Should he come just like he is? Yes! You come! Bring your whole family with you! I don't care if it is midnight! Let's let's come to the Lord! That's the message. You come just like you are, but come to be changed! That's an exciting thought to me. God loves us so much that we can come just like we are. He'll accept us! But He loves us too much to leave us there. Come to be changed. I want to turn to the Word of God here for a couple more points. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Beautiful passage of Scripture that we're familiar with. But I just want to read a couple of verses here. And I just want to draw a total mine out of these verses. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's a good beseeching that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be ye transformed. Do you know what that means? Greek word is for transformed? It's metamorpho. In English, it's metamorphosis. That's what it means. Be ye metamorphosis. Do you know what metamorphosis is? It's a process, isn't it? We know what it is. It's when a caterpillar goes through all the changes necessary to become a butterfly. By the renewing of their mind, That is a big change. When a fat, gluttonous, self-centered caterpillar that crawls goes through all the changes necessary to become a beautiful butterfly that flies away and sucks nectar out of the beautiful flowers of God's creation. I want you to think about the difference Between a caterpillar and a butterfly? (laughs) There's a big difference, I tell you tonight. There is no likeness between the two. They don't look alike, they don't act alike, and they don't think alike. A caterpillar thinks crawl and eat. A butterfly thinks fly. A caterpillar is stuck to the things of earth. He can never rise above it. A butterfly soars away. A caterpillar crawls and eats and sleeps. And a butterfly migrates all the way to Canada. And all the way back. And then all the way to Mexico. And all the way back. A butterfly. And they don't just migrate to Canada and to Mexico. They migrate to the same tree. Year after year. By the renewing of their mind. Brothers, that's the kind of change that God had in mind. And made full provision for when we were born again. Into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. Metamorphosis. That's the word that God uses here. That's the word of God. Be ye transformed. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not just a little information. It's the commandment of God. It's God's will for His people that every one of us would be going through that process metamorphosis from this. It's a process but this is the provision that God has made. Think of it! No likeness of your former self doesn't that excite you? It does me. It's possible or it wouldn't be a commandment. There is another scripture that uses this same word. And it's the exact same words, uh, youth, that Brother Lowell was talking about this morning. But I challenge you to turn there and just read it. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a beautiful passage. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Brother Lowell read to us chapter 3, verse 18, now to Leviticus. It says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are changed. That's the exact same word as transformed. It's metamorphosis. We are metamorphosis into the same image. The Son of God. Think of it. That's the Word of God. When a caterpillar goes through all the changes necessary to become a butterfly, that's God's will for each one of us. Have you begun the process to go through all those changes to be all that God saved you to be? Or have you just been baptized? If you've been baptized, but you insist on staying over here, you're just a wet caterpillar. God doesn't want you wet. He wants you changed. That's the message of God. He wants you over here. Yes, baptism, but repentance and faith in God will get you over here. That's the provision that the Holy Spirit of God When we yield ourselves unto Him. God wants us to be a new creature. Old things passed away. All things to become new. If I ever wanted to give a homework assignment, I know you can go to these teaching aid stores and you can get or You can probably order it on the internet somewhere. But they have these little cages that you can order. And they'll send you about a half a dozen caterpillars and the food to go with it. And you put those caterpillars in there, and you can just watch those things crawl around for several weeks. And they just eat and get fat. And they grow, and you just watch them grow and get fat. But I tell you, there's a point where you can watch them get born again. You can! They begin to climb up there, they begin to spin a cocoon and begin to die, and and, you know, come up with their chrysalis there. And you can just watch that process Of metamorphosis taking place, that that we are changed, that being transformed, that renewing of the mind that literally changes them. And a few weeks later, you can just watch those beautiful butterflies come out and take their first flight. No likeness, whatever, of their former self. I tell you, you can just watch the operation of God. be a reality for each of us so that we could be over here in the presence of God. What a way to go home. What a heart for a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we there? Or are we still crawling around with our reasons and our excuses to justify why we are the way they are? Why why we are the way we are. You know, sometimes we just blame our situation, uh, blame our parents, blame our finances, blame our pastor, blame our wife, our background, our personality, and a hundred, hundred other things. But I tell you, I just want you to know tonight that if your heart is to change and you yield yourself to God, you most absolutely, definitely, positively can change. By the power of God. It's the promise of God. I'm going to close here. Brother Lowell gave us all a piece of paper today. Didn't he? I don't know how you were. I really didn't want anybody reading my paper. He had us write down all the things about ourselves that please us that impresses us about our flesh. All the things that God is asking us to call dumb so that we can win Christ, so that we can get over here. Those things, uh, they take us the wrong way. Those things that we wrote down on that list. And what we wrote down was embarrassing, wasn't it? We didn't want anybody else to see it. And nobody did. Brother Noel asked us to tear those papers up. And then Brother Pete had a file into the fireplace. And we burned. I don't know how you were. But for me. That was a sacred moment. Amen. That was holy ground. And we just gathered around and it just seemed like spontaneously we just started singing. And we just sang songs that just... Uh, committed a full surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Didn't we? We did that. I think it was sincere. So in closing here, I would like to recapture the beauty of that moment. Remember it well. And I would like to say that if you can't burn that paper, if you can't, Cast the things that you had written into the fire. If you will not change to where God wants you to be, if you will not do that, there is something that you will do. You must stand before the Lord as a caterpillar, a caterpillar with a briefcase. A briefcase full of all the excuses why God's provision would not work for you. God wants us changed. God wants us to be a prepared vessel ready for the master's use.